You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42 cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and we have another great episode coming at you where we have gone back to the movies. Yes! Finally, after all of the COVID quarantining and everything else where we can go back to movie theaters. I mean, I know some people have watched this on Disney Plus, but, you know, we can go back to movie theaters. We can watch a movie on the big screen, and it is amazing. So... Uh, before we talk about the movie, the oh, it's Black Widow, by the way. <laughs> buried the lead there. Um, so Black Widow. Um, but <laughs> before we talk about the movie, let's meet our cast for this week. <laughs> so starting off, you know her as one of my co-hosts that's on the show all the time. She is the Greek statue brought to life, and that is Angie. How are you doing, Angie? I'm I'm doing well. Thank you for having me back. Hey, no problem. And so what's been going on for you since the last time you were on? Yeah, well, I don't want to, I don't want to undermine the going back to the movies promo there, but um, our our cases are spiking here in my dumb state. So Mm. um, we've mostly just been trying to get through all of our legacy tabletop games before we move. So we don't have to take them with us. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I watched Black Widow on, on Disney plus, um, Mm. But yeah, we've been yeah just playing like Pandemic and and Betrayal at Hill House. I don't anyway. The, the all the legacy stuff. We've got like six of them, and basically, I'm not putting them in a box, so they're they're getting played before we leave. <laughs> Take, taking a board game with you is too much. Well, the legacy ones are one play, so it's there's oh, no okay. there's no replay stuff there. Yeah, yeah. No, we're taking the ones that have replay value. <laughs> oh, okay. I guess I don't know how that works, but uh, all right, <laughs> interesting. It's um, it's not my favorite because I hate throwing things away, and they yeah. have such pretty, you know, little knickknacks that come with them. But yeah, they're they're designed to just be one playthrough, and then you're done. Oh, okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how is the how's the move progressing? Um, well, we can't water our lawn, so, cause we're in a drought, <laughs> so I don't know how it's going to go selling the place, but, um, yeah, you know, it's fine. It's, it's happening. It's, it's a move. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, it's good to have you back on the show, Angie. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Hey, no problem. All right. Next up, she is, uh, our, I guess our resident Marvel expert now that Jennifer Hartshorn has left because she has a podcast. It's all about Marvel movies and, and TV shows and stuff. And that is my friend Paige. How are you doing Paige? I am doing great. How are you doing? I am doing great also. Awesome. So what's been going on for you since the last time you were on the show? Well, I also watched Black Widow on Disney Plus. Um, Here in Baltimore, our cases are pretty low and staying low. I just don't trust people. Um, And I I noticed that my couch uh, was like zero feet away from me. And then the (laughs) 
theater was like five miles. Um, so I picked my couch. Um, so I, I watched it there. Um, other than that, uh, so la- since last time I was on for our MST episode, like right after that, I've been thinking about that all the time because right after that they announced everything they were doing for MST literally right after we recorded. <laughs> Can you believe that? I know. The best part was we're like, yeah, they should really like leave things now on a high note. They shouldn't do any more with MST 3K because, you know, they, they've been doing great and they did great and I don't want it to get to a point where it's like, you know, where, where it's just like, oh man, you guys just need to stop. And then they're like, we're doing another Kickstarter and it's like, oh right. no. And I'm like, but here, take my money. I, exactly. I was the one on the podcast that was like, I want more. I want more live shows. I want another season. I love Jonah and Emily. And then like literally the next day, they were like, go. We heard you specifically. I know. I, I sent you the email as soon as I saw the link. I was like, did you see this? And they took all of my money again. Right. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. 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 For me, like the movie experience though, it's like, I've been waiting 18 months to see him. The last thing. All right. So so this is just like a little side story. So my wife and I had a date night planned in March of 2020 and the, the show we were going to see, which was like a Japanese musical performance, like canceled that day, like, like hours before we were supposed to be there. My wife was ready for a night on the town. We were going to go out. So we were like, what can we still do? Because this is the point where, you know, it was a little unclear how dangerous it was and everything. And so it was kind of like, what can we still do? Well, movie theaters were still open at that point. And so the last thing we did before the pandemic, before we quarantined, before we stopped doing everything, was we saw Bloodshot. (laughs) Bloodshot. Now, I don't know if anyone here has seen Bloodshot, but it's not worth the movie admission price. Let's put it that way. And so I was like, I need to see a good movie. I need to be, I need to see a good movie in the movie theater. <laughs> that needs to be like my, my, my prime memory of movie theater. So yeah, I was excited to see Black Widow in the movie theater, even though, yes, it would have been easier to watch it on my couch. <laughs> but anyway, but uh, yeah, it's good to have you back on the show page. Awesome. Glad to be here. All right, and next up, she is our expert in all things Arrowverse. Uh, She's come on the show before to talk to us about all the wacky shenanigans going on over there, and that is my friend Cammie. How are you doing, Cammie? Hello, I am doing great. I'm excited to leave DC behind us and talk about Marvel today, but only because it's about a Marvel woman. Oh, okay. I was about to say, are you cheating on DC? (laughs) Only for women, only for women. Okay. Nice, nice. That's a soundbite that I'm going to keep. Yes, but, um, yes. <laughs> so, so it's been a while. I mean, it's been, I mean, probably almost, yeah, I guess almost a year now because I think it was August of last mm-hmm. year that we recorded. So how have you been? Uh, I've been, you know, I can't complain. Uh, I didn't get COVID. I don't have COVID and I saw Black Widow in theaters. So, you know, check, check, check. All right. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. It, it's just happily I, vaccinated, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. Got the I 5G mean, superpowers. Arthur's <laughs> <laughs> <is> great. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I tell everyone that the vaccine didn't have any side effects for me, except that I just have a desire to buy nothing but Microsoft products from now on. Yeah. I'm going to do that anyways. Cause that's just how I am. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
right. So yeah. Um, anything else going on for you? Um, I went to the dentist this morning. So if I have a lisp, um, we're all just going to politely ignore that and pretend I don't sound, you know, like a, like a five-year-old with an unnervingly deep voice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can't hear a lisp. So I think it's, I think it's okay. We might be safe guys. We might be okay. (laughs) But uh, it's great having you back on the show, Cammy. It's great to be back. Thanks for having me. (laughs) No problem. All right. And finally, it's the newest addition to the 42 cast. She is a writer and a Dragon Con regular. And that is Allie. How are you doing, Allie? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I I also just watched from my couch. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm in Florida. So numbers are up here. And uh, I also do not trust people. (laughs) But... I do have a Disney Plus account, so I can make it happen. <laughs> and because I had a Disney Plus account, I was able to watch it twice. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. That certainly is an advantage. How much did you have to pay off of the uh, above the subscription to uh, to watch Black Widow? Um, I think it was $30. Yeah, it was on like 20 or 30 somewhere. It's somewhere in there. Yeah, I split the cost with someone and <clears throat> I think it was partially birthday present. July is my birth month. <laughs> so so it, for me, it was not too much. <laughs> well, that's good. But yeah, but it made me want to watch it twice. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. That's always good. And uh, and so, yeah, I mean, anything going on for you since, I mean, I know you were just on the show like a couple of weeks ago. Um, yes, wise, I, but... I've got something that I can't talk about. Oh. <laughs> but but some exciting stuff going oh, on. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> It was like uh, if I told you I'd have to kill you kind of thing. I don't think I'd have to kill anyone, but I I definitely I don't want to talk about it because it's not finalized yet. Mm. So I don't want to jinx myself. I gotcha. <laughs> but I, thought, I was trying to bring it back things. to the Black Widow topic. And so I was trying to, you know. Oh, no, uh, this, there's no espionage or mind control involved, sadly. <laughs> Just what you would say. That's right. <laughs> Who knows? All right. Well, it's good to have you back on the show, Allie. Glad to be here. All right. So uh, normally we'd have our five minute controversy here, but because uh, we've got, you know, a good number of guests on this one and, uh, you know, we have some time constraints, we are going to not do the five minute controversy today. Uh, So we are going to go directly into our topic after we have this promo from another fine podcast. Everyone these days could use a little support, and your friends at the ESO Network are no different. With the ESO Network Patreon, the cool thing is, is when you help support us, it's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO network. Welcome to Dr. Geek's Laboratory. Dr. Geek here with another reminder that the ESO network is pro-science and pro-vaccine. We urge you to be a superhero and protect yourself, your family, and your fellow geeks around the world. Don't be fooled by the forces of evil and their anti-science misinformation campaign. Consult the latest CDC guidelines, your doctor, and get the COVID vaccine today.
And we're back. And like we mentioned, we are talking about Black Widow today. It is the first Marvel movie that we have gotten since July of 2019. It has been two full years since we have had an MCU movie. And yes, we had the Disney Plus shows earlier this year, which, you know, kind of helped lessen the pain a little bit. But it has been two years since we've had a Marvel movie and, and you know, that that's, it's welcome to have, you know, the Marvel movies coming back now. Now we're going to get a whole bunch of them just right on top of each other, which is going to be kind of crazy. Uh, but yeah, so um, I'm kind of curious, you know, I, I doubt that it's going to make that much of a difference, but I'm curious now because um, so many people watched from home rather than in the movie theater, like what, how the experience, you know, differs, but yeah, just, overall thoughts on the movie before we get more granular and talk about specifics um let's start with you on this one page like how did you how do you feel about the movie i thought it was a solid okay um not super great definitely not terrible um i was kind of right in the middle on it uh i watched it twice because again i do have it on disney plus so i was able to watch it twice um, I, I loved it the first time. Absolutely. Um, while I was sitting there watching it, I had my, my phone was away from me. I literally made myself some popcorn. It had my full attention as much as possible to give it the best chance possible when you're viewing something like this at home. Uh, so first time around, I dug the crap out of it. Second time around, then I started noticing a couple things. So I'm like, wait a minute. Mm -mm, that didn't. Oh, whoa, whoa. And then I was starting to pick out th the strengths of the movie, like everything I really loved uh, out of it. So I thought it was a good, solid okay. All right. And Cammie? I loved it. I I had such a good time. Again, I watched it in theaters. I, For me, I think that does make a difference, but everybody kind of has their, you know, I, I would say 90% of the time, I rather watch a movie from home. It's more comfortable, whatever. For certain ones, I, I get the full, when it has something that there is to offer in theaters, which this one did, it just made it so exciting. The audience that I watched it with was also just very into it. You could feel the emotion in the theater when you were supposed to feel emotion. You could hear laughter. And that was that was just a really positive experience. At no point was I distracted. I was with a group and one of the group members wanted to go use the restroom and literally could not find downtime to use the restroom. We were all that into it. So like, this was a great movie from start to finish. I think it was also a really good representation of this transitional Marvel tone between, you know, you know, Nathan, you referenced it's kind of been a while since we had one and we're kind of going into a new era and this whole multiverse, whatever stuff. This captured, I think, a past and a future tone better than it really had to because this is past. It was a delayed release, but it functioned as, you know, capturing the humor, the family, the kind of jaded heroism that still has a level of... Um, like happiness and entertainment to it and also leading into this new world where some of our heroes are getting old or have already in this case not old but have already passed and are you know not with us anymore but there's a younger generation coming along I don't know it it did better than I think it had to be as well so 10 out of 10. 
now you're reminding me that there was a trailer for M. Night Shyamalan's old just before I saw the movie where I saw it. So, yeah. Yes. <laughs> that one I would maybe, I would maybe not go see in theater, but, right. you know, I might be missing something there. <laughs> All right. Um, Allie, what about you? Um, I actually kind of agree with Paige where it was a solid okay. Um, I don't think it's the greatest Marvel movie that's been that's come out and I don't think it's a terrible one. I think it's solid middle. Um, but I actually had kind of a reverse viewing experience as Paige where the first time I was more critical of it and the second time I leaned in and was more like, oh yeah, I'm having fun. But the first time also like 100%, I was just white knuckling through in absolute fear of what they were going to do to ruin Natasha this time. And I didn't feel like they did that, <laughs> but I did not relax until the end credit scene. <laughs> like it took me all the way through before I could finally like really calm down and be like, okay, Natasha is fine. Um, but you know, it's, it's hard to watch this movie and not think about Endgame and right. not get annoyed about some of the things that happened there. And so I really did struggle on that first viewing, which was part of why I was like, I have to watch this a second time before I talk about it because I'm too, you know, jaded by that and and too distracted by by those emotions. Well, um, I know. So I chuckled a little bit when you're like, Natasha's fine. I'm like, no, no, she isn't. <laughs> <laughs> in the movie, maybe, but not character. like not the overall character. in the MCU. Right? <laughs> her character oh, okay. <laughs> uh, just you know she's been written very unevenly throughout mm. the mcu and there's some representations that are a heck of a lot better than the others and so i was a little concerned that um they were going to do something in this movie that focused entirely on her that was just where i was just gonna hang my head and be like okay I can just pretend this didn't happen and move on, but I don't have to pretend it didn't happen. It was fine. <laughs> well, eventually, eventually Angie and I are going to go back and watch through the Marvel movies and we're going to do 42 cast episodes on each of them. So we should have you on, you know, for some of those black widow uh, movies, you know, the, the, the feature her and uh, we can talk about all that stuff, but um, yeah. Um, so Angie, um, what about you? What, how do you feel about the movie? Yeah, it's it's fun that you mentioned doing a, a full rewatch because I I am so curious to see what people think who watch for the first time where they can watch this before Endgame. Um, I I really enjoyed the movie. Um, my I didn't you know I I had a great time watching it since I don't have a comics background. Unlike my husband who was having conniption fits over Taskmaster, I. It was all fine um, for me. And and um, the only real problem that I had is that I, I think this poor movie, Natasha's uh, just a person. I mean, she's a great, like an amazing person, but she hasn't had super soldier serum. She can't survive some of the stuff that happened to her in this movie. But like, I think that- There was one point I, where my wife was like, and her back is broken. Yes, exactly. <laughs> But I, I think it suffered from the fact that it is the first movie back and there's a certain amount of spectacle, I think, that may have been expected or anticipated to be expected that they felt they had to live up to where I would have been fine with much smaller, like not much smaller stakes, but maybe less falling from extreme distances and still posing at the end. Um, <laughs> 
but but overall i i mean i re i really enjoyed the ride i loved i loved I, I mean i thought all the characters really were were done the the, the protagonists i should say were done uh, a lot of justice so yeah i'm i enjoyed it quite a bit yeah, I mean, for me, I think I kind of fall in the same range as Paige and, and Allie. I didn't get to see it twice, though, and that's the thing. That's why I really want to go back and rewatch everything, because I've seen, like, Phase 1 and 2 movies, like, a bunch of times, and Phase 3, I've seen them all, you know, maybe once, maybe twice, you know, or I've seen them all once, but but some of them twice, but I haven't really seen them like multiple times and everything to try to just sort of sort out like how I feel about all the movies that, you know, came later and everything is part of that. But uh, I felt it was kind of like it was good. It was a and here's the thing. And here's the problem. Marvel has set the bar so hard, so high that it's like when you say it was a solid, good Marvel movie, it's still a great movie. It is still like really good compared to, you know, a lot of other movies that you will be out there. And so I don't want to sort of make it seem like eh, meh, because it wasn't a meh movie. It was a great, enjoyable experience. I had a lot of fun watching it. And, you know, but I feel like as far as just Marvel movies go, it probably does fall somewhere towards the middle, maybe the upper middle. But it's not like it didn't blow me away, like, say, a Winter Soldier or a uh, or a just the original Avengers movie, which like blew me away completely, you know, like just, oh, my God, this is amazing. Um, so, uh, you know, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. And the new characters, I think, are the big strength. Uh, of the movie and you know I think we're going to see well we know we're going to see at least one of them but I think we're going to see several of them uh, off and on throughout the MCU from here on so we'll see how all that goes also but um, it was exciting and fun it was a great movie uh, but yeah as far as the MCU goes I feel like it's kind of like maybe upper middle you know if you if you ranked them all um, but uh, Ali touched on something that I wanted to get into and that is the fact, and this is the thing that I've said online too. The worst thing about Black Widow is that it was an afterthought, right? It was a movie that, and it's not Kevin Feige's fault. It was that originally, if you want to get into the dirty pool, the behind the scenes of Marvel, you know, Marvel Studios was reporting to Ike Perlmutter, who was the CEO of Marvel, and Disney sort of reorganized and, and pulled them out so that they report directly up to Disney and, and Marvel's comics, you know, group is, is sort of its own separate thing. And during that time, like Art Perlmutter said before, like nobody wants, you know, female superhero movies. And so they had to fight just to get Captain Marvel, which they felt was more important. And so they, they did get the Captain Marvel movie scheduled during that time, but until they got pulled out, they couldn't do a, a Black Widow movie. And so, yeah, we get a Black Widow movie, but it's after she's already dead in the in the movies. And I struggle with prequels in general. Like, I, I always have a hard time with prequels because I feel like that lessens the stakes just on the face of it. Because you know what's got to happen in a general sense. You know, like, yeah, there are specifics in this movie that you weren't sure. You know, and yes, there will be spoilers, everybody. So if you've listened this far, I know we've been kind of general, but after this, it's all, it's all spoilers. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, like you didn't know if the rest of the family was going to survive, right? You know, like, so that was a stake in the movie that you weren't sure because it's so oblique, you know, in Endgame, like what's going on in Natasha's life that you have no idea. So, um, 
so so yeah i mean i guess that's my question to everybody though is how did you feel about it being a prequel did you feel like it lessened your enjoyment did you feel like it didn't matter um let's start with you this time Allie. so the thing about prequels is they absolutely can work and this really could have worked for it being a prequel if they had just acknowledged the fact that this is a flashback and just treated it like it's a flashback and then it could have lived in the time frame for example um wonder woman wonder woman is framed in the modern day and it flashes back to the past and we get whole her whole history if they'd done something more similar to that i feel like i could have embraced this more as being this is the movie that comes after endgame but because of the way they didn't do that they just did it straight this should fit after civil war it's harder for me to watch it in 2021 and put my brain there and be like, okay, this belongs in this place. So for this particular film, that made it really difficult. And I do think on a rewatch when you're doing it in like chronological order, yeah, it'll fit in fine. And it's not going to be weird. You're going to want to move the uh, post-credit scene. But other than that, it works perfectly. But coming out in 2021, it's kind of weird. And I really wish that they had just sort of acknowledge it it could have been you know the flash the flash she's dying i don't know like that's ridiculous (laughs) but like they could have framed it in some way it could have been framed around yelena remembering her Mm -hmm. sister and and this you know crazy thing that happened and then it goes into natasha's point of view actually it could have totally been from yelena's point of view because natasha had sort of a very strange role as being the leading character Mm -hmm. um (laughs) that's sort of a different question than you asked (laughs) but you know i really think that they could have framed this differently and had it be a different impact for 2021 that would have made more sense than me just sitting here going, I really wish this had come out right after Civil War because that was a thought that I couldn't, I couldn't shake it after the second viewing either. Yeah, I mean, I almost felt like as I was watching it, I was like, I would have preferred almost that they deflect, like if, if, obviously if we just assume that this movie was already like scripted and everything at the time and they just weren't allowed to make it, like if they had been allowed to make, I would have rather they moved Captain Marvel out and put this in that spot so it still was before endgame because yeah captain marvel gave us some background on her and she does just kind of show up in endgame where if you hadn't had the captain marvel movie a lot of people would be like whoa who's this but i feel like nothing important to cap for captain marvel happened in endgame and so it'd be easier to get her backstory after endgame than to get this black widow story after endgame because of how critical endgame is to natasha and natasha's life also, one character is still alive. And the other right. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's what I'm trying to say is like, yeah. you try to get the backstory before you kill the character <laughs> rather than after. <laughs> so but, annoying. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean I, so, so the question that I have, I mean, <clears throat> as part of this prequel thing and, and, and is thinking about Endgame, though. Um, and and everything. Do you feel like this? Because th- that was sort of my problem watching this because I was like, because my assumption in Endgame, the way that the whole scene between Natasha and Clint plays out is that Natasha has no one. And so she's giving every, like Clint has a family and she, and that's why I thought they were going to kill the family off in this movie. Cause I thought that was going to be the thing is like, Natasha's going to be left standing at the end. And even though she reconnected with her family, they all die. And then she's left going like, well, 
you know, I understand now how important family is and that's why I'm going to reconnect with the Avengers, but you know, I'm, you know, but, but, you know, I, I don't have anyone personally. And I thought that was how they were going to go. And so now I, I'm thinking about the scene in Endgame. I'm like, what? I mean, I guess it's because she just likes Clint so much that she wants to give up her life for him. I don't know. I, I think she, I think they got snapped. That makes the, that makes that scene because both of them are willing to die for like a real family that they have that are not there but they could maybe save them. I, I think that's actually a really nice callback. But yeah, I, mean, I guess they didn't verify that at all. But my assumption was they all got snapped. It, that's the only way it works. That's the only way it works thematically. Yeah. <laughs> but we don't know. We don't, there's no information that's been out about whether or not Natasha's family was snapped or not. Yeah, I, I just, that, that was the thing I kept thinking about watching the movie after it ended. It was just kind of like, you know, like, how does this even, like, frame up now with Endgame? Because it's like her motivations going into it are different oh. than what I thought. No, wait, it happened after Infinity War, though, didn't it? So never mind, they couldn't have gotten snapped. No, or no, no. Black Widow, no, no, Black Widow happens between Civil War and Infinity War. Right. Yes. So, yeah, nobody got Snaps. snapped yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in fact, that's the reason why William Hurt was even in it at all was to sort of establish it as this is right after. So, you know, because he was so in the trailers, they kept showing him and I thought his role was going to be huge in this movie. And instead, it's like, no, nah, it's just beginning scene, ending scene. We're going to bookend it with, you know, with oh God, I hate calling him Ross because he's such a poor <laughs> Ross character. <laughs> if there's one thing that we should have kept from the Ang Lee Hulk movie, it's Sam Elliott as General Ross. But anyway, anyway, I, I William Hurt does not convince me as a, as a as a soldier at all. Like I am not intimidated by him. But anyway, so <laughs> but yes, that's the only I reason think we have him. You're raising a really good criticism of Endgame and that doesn't necessarily direct reflect directly reflect on Black Widow but it is just it, I think earlier on Ali mentioned that we kind of carry into this a little bit of you know jadedness distractedness uh, trauma <laughs> from the prior movies that Natasha has been in and not in a good way, not in a way that this is a flashback and we know the dark things she'll go through and the heroic moments to come. And so we carry that with it and it colors it and uh, com adds complexity in a good way, but rather we carry with this past disappointment in her being not written well, um, written openly disrespectfully or written in such a way that in a movie like Endgame with nearly double the budget of Black Widow and, you know, countless rounds of review to say the least, nobody raised the questions that you guys are raising right now. Or if they did, nothing was done about it such that a throwaway sentence, literally a sentence could have been added to end game without even increasing screen time to answer these questions solidify the really great theories that you have on on how to make this make sense and all it would have taken was somebody giving at least a medium amount of interest in this character and we carry that with it with us into watching this movie i think it it brings criticism with it that will arise in our discussion today it has arisen in our discussion today that is not inherently criticism of the movie that we all just watched but can't really be separated from the character itself 
The one counterpoint I'm going to put on that is remember Endgame was made at the same time as Infinity War. So that was like three or four years ago. I'm not sure they had this Black Widow script done yet. So to me, the criticism does fall back on Black Widow as a prequel. It has to look at the movies that come later chronologically and say, what are we adding to this? And does it make sense with what we know happens later? So that's why I'm saying that criticism of this movie as a prequel is legitimate because you know, Endgame and Infinity War were made a while back when I don't know if they even knew that a Black Widow movie was going to be greenlit that was going to happen afterwards. I think that might have been, and again, I don't know the behind the scenes and all that, so maybe I'm wrong on that, but even if they did know there was going to be a Black Widow prequel coming later, they probably didn't have a lot of knowledge of what it was going to have in it and what, you know, the final script was going to look like. Um, that's my I theory say, anyway. For me personally, I would rather have the stronger Black Widow movie and just have to mentally edit a scene in a movie that already has a whole bunch of things that I mentally edit. So I'm fine with it. <laughs> I just, I think if they replace the end, the, the after credit sequence with one of them getting snapped, I have no issues between the two. Honestly, mm. I don't. I, that makes perfect sense to me and I didn't realize till after I said it and made a fool of myself that they didn't actually confirm that anywhere I just decided that was the way it was <laughs> well sometimes you have to do that with a Marvel movie you have to decide you have to go and say this is the version that I that makes sense to me because they leave enough open it makes that scene with Clint even more of just like lose lose because they're both trying for the exact same thing not even like a like a kind of like the Avengers are my family sort of thing, which is how it was played in the, you know, when Endgame came out, but literally we are, we are doing the same thing for the same reasons. And yeah, it was either one of them could have gone over the side and, and yeah, I think that actually gives more impact to that scene. Okay. Fair enough. So, um, so yeah, I mean, Cammy, I think you kind of answered the question, but like, yeah, do you feel like it being a prequel did hurt it at all for you or were you able to just completely separate it out? I think about a, a year ago or whenever we last talked, I made the comment to you that I cannot like the TV show Gotham because all prequels are fundamentally exposition. Yeah. And that would be the case for this movie if it was only a movie about Natasha. And if it was a movie about almost anybody else, I would be uh, enraged. However, because of her sister, because of Yelena, we are presented something that is a prequel for Natasha, but perhaps an origin story for Yelena. And as such, I become 100% okay with it being a prequel. Also, because they are willing to not, you know, feed directly into another movie it is not leading up to the moment where you know for example she first dons the suit or it is not leading up to a movie that is to come or a movie that already came that you know they're, they're creating these dot to dot connections it is allowed to stand alone in and of itself some of what was mentioned here today it doesn't even exactly match up with what's going on in Endgame. And that, you know, to me, I didn't really think of it before, but now it's kind of a positive because I don't really care for what happened to her in Endgame, so I don't need it to line up. So I'm okay with it being a prequel. Totally fine. 
Yeah, I mean, again, spoilers. Oh well, actually, I don't know if all of you have seen Loki, so never mind. I'm not going to. I'm not going to uh, say what I was about to say because, uh, yeah. All right. Um, have you all seen Loki? Just nod your heads. Yes. Okay. All right. So now that we know that there's a multiverse, we don't have to accept anything in any Marvel movies anymore. <laughs> Best thing Loki did was totally break the timeline. <laughs> That's so not what happened in my version. <laughs> my variant. <laughs> yeah, Clint totally died. <laughs> not Natasha. <laughs> and that's what I thought was, I mean, of course, the Disney Plus stuff wasn't announced at that point, but that's what I thought was going to happen in Endgame. I was yeah. like, when they were like, you two go for the Soul Stone, I was like, oh, okay, this is where Clint dies because he's he's become a murderer and everything else. And so that would be the, you know, the the thing to do. And no, no, they didn't. They didn't go that route. Marvel should have listened to you. I like that so much better. <laughs> no one would have tried to bring him back, though. So. <laughs> I will say, though, the idea that Yelena will be on the Hawkeye show, yeah. um, I'm into that. Like, yeah. that makes me totally okay with him surviving. <laughs> yeah, I, I suddenly care about that show. <laughs> yeah. I care about right. it right. way right. more. <laughs> let's not engage in Clint bashing right this moment. All right, let's put a pin on that because we're, we're going to talk about that in a second um, or in a little bit. Uh, Paige, uh, did, did the fact that it was a prequel affect things for you? Yeah, I'm also a person that doesn't really like prequel movies at all um, just because usually nothing matters um, or at least that's how I go into the movie. Um, this time it was okay simply because of all the new characters that I got to follow and they were so engaging that uh, it, it is weird that like Black Widow is not the star of her own movie uh, <laughs> because I'm following everyone else around her with so much more interest um, because they're fresh and new and I know nothing about them and they're so engaging. Um, so for me, this movie being a prequel is like it's again like a solid okay. It's it, it doesn't hurt it as as much as it could have but it did take the focus off of Natasha herself and me finding out things about her because pretty much we find out things uh, about her that we all kind of already knew uh, so uh, about her personally. So I didn't really discover anything new on that end, but the more I discovered about all the other characters, the more I was interested. Um, so that was, that was better for me. <laughs> Yeah, you, you actually brought up the other thing I was going to bring out about it being a prequel is that the problem is it's straight jackets, Natasha. She can't break too far out of what we know is going to happen. She has to stay pretty steady. And so, yeah, the, the, the side characters become the focus of the movie. And it's kind of problematic for the Black Widow movie for everyone else to upstage her <laughs> to such a degree. But that, um, that did make me very sad. <laughs> I was yeah. like, OK, well, that, that kind of sucks for you, Natasha. I'm sorry that this is happening in your own movie. Fine real sorry about that but elena's right over there so i'm gonna go hang out with her <laughs> all right and so angie uh, how, how did it being prequel affect your enjoyment um yeah i i know it's a prequel like for real but I, to me it seems more like a vignette than like mm. a than an actual prequel like and it may be that we know so little we know we know the rough outline of Natasha's life already, but 
we know so little about her and how she feels about most things because she keeps it all so close to the vest and the rest of the MCU. This feels like just a little vignette of what she's doing when she's not standing behind a bunch of super soldiers. Like the, it, and I, I guess I have to disagree that she was upstaged. I didn't feel that way. I can see where that, I can see where that opinion comes from. I'm not gonna disagree. But when I was watching the movie, like this movie, it's about her. It's about how she's reacting to people that she has passed with and has a closeness to that we haven't seen before. Um, so it, yeah, you could say she got upstaged, but I just, I loved looking at this new facet of her that we only really got kind of glimpses of with Clint's family before, that this is just a whole different side of her that I really enjoyed watching. Um, so I didn't get the impression watching it that she was upstaged. Um, and I didn't, I know that there was back, you know, there, it almost seemed like a like a backstory flashback rather than a, a prequel. And then the movie was this day in, day in her, you know, regular spy life, um, which I actually really enjoyed. So yeah, I did. I don't think it being a prequel affected me at all, but I'm, I'm one of those people that knowing the end usually, unless it's like a mystery doesn't <laughs> affect my enjoying pleasure. I really like digging into character, you know, examinations. So I didn't have a problem with that at all. Yeah, I mean, for me, a prequel is always going to be a struggle. I mean, just I kind of mentioned that already. So I mean, but I think we already brought up the things that I would bring up about it is just makes it more difficult because I feel like you have to be a lot more conscious of like where it fits in when you're deliberately setting something in the past rather than just telling the continuing adventures of and also the whole idea of it also makes it hard for the character to really move in a different direction or do anything, you know, like because it, it, it has to be like this. It's just you're learning more about the character rather than the character really like being very dynamic and moving in different directions you know um and so that's the thing but yeah i still think that the the family is you know the the best part of the movie is just because we're introducing new characters that we can follow you know in later you know stuff and and you know even though elena was the one that was um you know uh, sort of shown as we're definitely going to see her again there's already rumblings from marvel as yeah you're you're going to see red guardian and and you know it, it's going to happen because you know again everybody just like sort of hooked in you know very fun character right you know they're not going to just let him like go by the wayside um although that does raise the question to me of where in the world if the russians also developed the super soldier serum how does that factor into falcon and the winter soldier and the whole idea of you know like super soldier serums and everything like did the russians also lose theirs i mean like what's <laughs> i had some questions <laughs> right. so um yeah. The, the one thing I would say um, that I, I very much appreciated and prequels give you the opportunity to do this if used wisely, like some of the Star Wars uh, cartoons, you can fix some things that the movies screwed up, like Natasha's accents. <laughs> so the fact that they kind of made her like one of the Americans, um, which in my head now, Rus Carrie Russell is her mother and you can't convince me otherwise um that that actually helps kind of explain some of the inconsistencies with her 
accents in some of the movies maybe not the greatest but i i did appreciate i know but this is the second time they played this game because they did the same thing with wanda and wandavision of you know they even commented on the accent that you know that varies and it's because oh she watched the american sitcoms when she was a kid that didn't land as well for me i'm not gonna lie (laughs) i know but i'm just saying like they can only play this card so many times before you know it starts becoming a a joke right so um yeah it is a joke already So, um, all right. So, yeah, let's talk about the characters because we, we, we've already been kind of touching on the characters here. And, you know, uh, I, we're not going to go like person by person because I think then we'll be here forever. But just like, how did you feel about... I mean, all right, so let me just start off by saying, like, you know, Angie talked about her husband and his reaction to Taskmaster. I'm going to say <laughs> right now, even if you do have a comics background, it is not for sure that you're going to just react negatively to that <laughs> because I know Taskmaster I've read comics with Taskmaster he's he's worthless he is not an interesting <laughs> character I'm completely fine with them changing Taskmaster it's fine there's nothing important there it's like changing Flag Smasher and Falcon and the Winter Soldier and making it a group instead of a guy because Flag Smasher is also lame so it's okay <laughs> I was really excited that they were doing Taskmaster because I like his power set. Yeah, the power is interesting. And yeah. so I was like, oh, great. I can't wait to see what the MCU does with this. And, I, you know, as soon as they showed Taskmaster, I got all excited about it. And all of my friends were like, what are you excited about? <laughs> I was like, but I like his powers. They're really well, cool. And, and visually amazing yeah. right like like yeah. you know getting to see like black panther hawkeye captain america like somebody who can do all the different things that yes. they all do very cool very well done you know like fighting stunt work that kind of stuff yeah and it was really cool to watch the fights and to be like oh that's bucky's move oh that's that's steve's move you know and just like identify all of the different moves so like i had a lot of fun watching that character and i was totally fine with their revelation it fit with the rest of the story having taskmaster be antonio draco's draco's daughter and have her be you know augmented that all made sense it fit with the rest of the plot so like that's what you should do when you're making changes it should fit with the rest of the story you're telling it is again another girl who has been abused and used and so perfectly fits as soon as they showed that taskmaster was a cyborg in this version my original thought was it's the mom because we didn't at that point know that the mom like made it out okay and i was like after she was injured they turned her into a cyborg but then after we found out the mom was okay i was like it's the daughter it's you know she didn't actually kill her in the bomb you know and that's the thing and that's Mm -hmm. and so to me it just it made sense like it was just like part of the thing it would have made sense if it was the mom too but that would have not made the happy ending thing with the family and everything works but you know like those two but yeah having it be someone who was part of this whole story of abused women like it automatically it was already Mm -hmm. like circulating in my head as to like this is this is just narratively what would make sense rather than just having some guy that like you know make speeches and Dylan's speeches and, you know, just has an interesting power. Um, This is way more interesting narratively. Right, right. So The situation with Taskmaster also being able to do, you know, recognizable to a lay audience fight moves that reference the other Avengers also makes two things that Marvel usually does, in my opinion, in a very cheesy way, not cheesy at all. That is an Easter egg done well. 
And that is also a fight scene where it's two people that are kind of OP. And we already mentioned earlier, there's some, you know, suspension of disbelief required here. It makes it interesting, even if you're not somebody who would like watch WWE or just, you know, you're just into seeing people get smacked around. It still makes it interesting. You are watching this character trying to figure out their powers, trying to figure out who they've come into contact with. And that then during the fight scene, you're trying to kind of calculate these plot points. Who have they already fought? What am I supposed to be learning from this? That makes it interesting. I I've, I think I've argued before that I'm almost always more interested in fight scenes in movies that are led by women or when the fight scene involves women, because I find in general, a lot of times it's just better integrated into the plot. And it's not just, and now for a brief commercial break, you get to watch WWE for literally no reason. It, it feels a little bit more seamless in general. And this was a really good example of that. And I wasn't cringing at like a, oh, here's your cutesy Easter egg. I was actually like, okay, I got that. That was cool. That was subtle. This, this felt fun. <laughs> yeah. And I like the fact that again, they're, 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 because even though they do explain at one point, like, oh, it's a mimetic ability to copy everything. You don't know that in the beginning. And they just show the scene of watching the footage. And then you see Taskmaster doing like the moves. And I feel like they're giving the audience credit of being able to figure it out for themselves. And probably just some suit said, you should throw in a line in there just to make sure that anyone who didn't catch it. But at least they weren't like trying to hold your hand from the whole way and say it like at the very beginning of, oh, you are watching footage so that you can copy the moves you know, <laughs> kind of thing. So I appreciate whenever uh you know um like the netflix marvel stuff did this well they didn't explain stuff it was just like you, you better figure it out just by watching you know why things work the way they work or what they're doing with their powers because we're not going to like explain it so i like that or google it between episodes right <laughs> so yeah. so i'm kind of on the other end of like the Taskmaster conversation where i i like the original character a lot um He's he's a jerk and he knows he's a jerk and and he copies everyone's moves and everything. And I and I just I like just like a, a merc that just doesn't care at all and just is like in it for himself and sometimes hangs out with Deadpool and or and like hates him and it's funny. Um but I also realize that that character would not fit in this movie at all. Uh so I'm very glad that they didn't go of go of him specifically. Um in, in this movie because that tone and that kind of character would have nothing to do with this movie and would take away from the plot that was already being established to have that kind of wild card in in the movie so i was and 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 you're all right that like what they did with that character was interesting in itself and fit within the narrative so it was great <laughs> Well, and you think about it, to fit into this movie thematically, they would have had to make Taskmaster like a rampant misogynist, like Drakov's yeah. like best bud kind of character. And, yeah. you know, we, we didn't need, I mean, Drakov was enough. No. Drakov exactly. was enough. I mean, we didn't need like several different guys all being like, oh, women are worthless. <laughs> exactly. You know, we like, wouldn't have needed that message in stereo. <laughs> yeah. <you know. laughs> <laughs> all of Dracov's body language was the thing that sold so much of it for me mm -hmm. just like the way that that in conversation he is immediately in her face mm -hmm. and and it's just and it's so aggressive without being violent and and like you know any woman watching it knows exactly what all of that is. <laughs> and we don't, we don't need any, those visuals are all that we need. And that's it. That's it. 
And it was, it was just, it was so much in that body language and it was so good. It was such a great performance to deliver all of that information visually. Actually, I feel like the whole movie does a lot of really great um, visual delivery of information, like from watching the video footage at the beginning and being able to understand, okay, they're taskmasters analyzing powers to the redirect of the um, taskmasters not there for Natasha, there for the files, you know, all of those sorts of things. There's a lot of really good just visual information that is delivered very efficiently without a lot of explanation, which is actually why at the end, when we got so much explanation of like, Dracoff has pheromones. And so they can't, I was like, I'm a little disappointed by the amount of explaining that is happening right here. Because up till that point, it was so much great, just visual explanation. And it was such a, that like, that's part of the, of the point where it makes it, the movie's not like, it gets just above the okay, because there's a lot of movie construction that is done really, really efficiently and really well. And um, so, yeah, it's, but then it gets, it hits just the okay with all of that explaining at the end. (laughs) Do you think there's something to be said for like doing two things well? So at the beginning, I kind of like your overview of how they're, they're sort of allowing the audience to put pieces together and trusting them to figure it out at the end. And I'm just speaking for myself and perhaps I'm not the most um, like Marvel aware. So it's possible that a a more nuanced viewer than myself would have put it together. But at the end, I kind of needed the explanation. I could have done with like maybe a line or two cut, but being able to understand what impact he had and getting a little bit of, you know, they didn't get into the the science of the pheromones necessarily, but understanding where it was coming from made me appreciate elements like her breaking her nose or how the gas was distributed a little bit better. And I think I'm, I might've been confused without it, maybe could have done with a line or two cut and I still would have followed. Do you, do you think that they they were trying to do two things well and switch in the middle or did they just stumble across that? Part of it, like, I think it's just a handful of lines that are the too much because okay. once you, because yes, we need them to explain that he has pheromones because we cannot see pheromones. (laughs) I just assumed it was conditioning at first when she couldn't hit him. I was like, I just thought it was just like normal conditioning that it was just like, you've been conditioned not to like ever harm me. Yeah, I would have also thought that. But after I'm told it's pheromones, I know that she is trying to get him to break her nose. Like, I don't need the explanation that you're going to need to break your nose. You can't just hold your breath. Like, duh, of course. (laughs) How long can you hold your breath? You can't hold your breath for that long. (laughs) So for that part, like, I didn't need that explanation. I knew exactly that, that she was trying to get him to break her nose because that made sense as you know it it didn't need you know even though i didn't necessarily think sever the nerve um if you have a broken nose 
like you're not going to be able to smell or if your nose is just like full of blood you're mm. not going to be able to smell i was like yes clog your sinuses that's why i thought like <laughs> pheromones is probably not the best method to use to have like a thing like a like a you cannot like if somebody's got a cold they can kill you you know <laughs> it's like okay uh but here's the line here's the line that bothered me i'm really curious for your feelings on this because i felt like this was just like taking things to like an over the top level was when he said because the one natural resource the world has like that too much of is women and i was like we kind of got that already that this is like your point of view is like women are weak and can be controlled and everything i didn't feel like we needed that line i felt like it took it into like over the top level and so i'm kind of curious what 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 you all feel about that that that's where i feel that he becomes cartoonish like uh, because mm -hmm. uh because right like that whole ending confrontation uh the beginning of that part is so good and so well done like like, like you all said with, with like the like the the subtext behind like his movements and everything going on and then past like the pheromone part and then when he starts explaining his master plan on the screen and then shows Natasha everything that she needs he he verges into the cartoonishness and then ends with that line and when he was talking about it and was like the one resource we that we had too much of and I was like children and he was like girls <laughs> and I was like what <laughs> it's it's okay why specifically do you have any math to what what uh so that that was a little a little much I was because okay Paige yes. it's a little much but understand I come from the DC world we have villains who grandstand and reiterate their plan to cheesy degrees that makes this guy look subtle so while you're right like have some empathy for those of us who go through much worse pain than this watching fair. our movie. Totally fair. <laughs> all right, totally all right, fair. Cammy, 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 you're watching the stuff on the CW. Okay. So. Right. <laughs> just, just imagine how normal this looks to me. He, he's, he's, he's a subtle villain to yeah, me. Put, put, put him next to Alice from Batwoman. <laughs> he's positively normal. Here's, Here's the thing, and I didn't, I didn't really weigh in on Taskmaster, but it's the same issue. Natasha was a spy. Let her be a spy. Why are we making her the unambiguous good guy? Like, what? Like she killed a kid. Okay, the fact that the kid survived seems like some sort of bizarre way to like forgive her for that. She killed a kid. Like, and and that's she was a spy, right? Her whole arc is about like you know, becoming an Avenger, being a better person. So let her past actually have some gray in it. So why, like, yeah, why does Draco have to be the 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 worst? Like, come on, nobody is going to want to hang out with this guy. He is literally the worst human. Like, what? He, there's, there's no gray there. And I think in a movie that did so well with setting up the protagonists and this nuance in their family dynamic, they did a huge disservice to their, to their villains. Um, and I think it's it's funny because we've you know we've all touched on the treatment of Natasha in previous movies. I think my husband my husband I don't think cares when they change characters for movies, but he immediately had flashbacks to Deadpool in that Wolverine movie, <laughs> and I I I get it. I feel for him. The, my point to that is that I don't think 
this is the last we'll see of Taskmaster. And we've just learned that she was, she stopped her actual development at like 10, 12. So she might be very quippy and, uh, you know, they, they might've gender swapped this character, but we could see the Taskmaster more like in the comics later on. I don't think that, that that's precluded by, by the actions in this movie, but I think it did Natasha a service to make her just so good for, Really, it was unnecessary. They didn't need to. We know that spies do some bad stuff. That's why they're spies. Yeah, I mean, as far as like the spy side goes, I mean, I think it really was like we we got the nice callback though with her confrontation with Drakov because it's it's back to her Loki confrontation in Avengers, right? The whole like I am going to egg you on, and because you can't stop yourself, and because you do need to like prove how smart and great and everything you are, I'm going to keep you going. I think it would have been more interesting because Drakov is supposed to be a different kind of villain if he like actually clued into what she was doing or whatever, because he's supposed to be more of like, like, whereas Loki is like, yes, I want everyone to tell me how great I am kind of character, you know, uh, her being able to egg him on that way was, uh, you know, was, was a little more fitting, but I did like that. Cause yeah, I clued right into what she was doing and I was like, oh my God, she's doing, and then to even give her the, uh, the uh, thank you for your cooperation, you know. <laughs> that that is that. kind of funny with like Dracoff just being like, wow, the spies that I've trained did the spy thing to me. How could this have happened? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I did appreciate the scene for what it was. And I, and I did enjoy that because it was a callback that worked, especially since we haven't seen Natasha being a spy all that often. We saw it in mm-hmm. Iron Man 2 and we saw it in Avengers. And that was kind of it. Then she was just superhero. You know, and we didn't really see the spy side. So, yeah. So let's talk about the family because we've been talking about Drakov and Natasha and Taskmaster. And I'm like, let's talk about the family. I mean, we've already said, I mean, Elena is so, so awesome in this movie. Uh, You know, she's a bit of a trope, but she's such a fun trope that you don't care that she's a bit of a trope, you know, like the, you know, like the, I've been a program sleeper agent, but now that I'm free, I can be like a quippy fun, but super uh, very literal, you know, kind of character that all, you know, like kind of, you know, goes for things very directly and doesn't have like a lot of like prevarication or anything Um, because she was an assassin rather than a spy. Right. And so it's a little bit of a different, you know, kind of thing, whereas Natasha does do a better job blending, but that's because she had more of a spy type training. Um, And, and yeah, I think that um, Alexei, that's his name, right? Red Guardian uh, is is just, he, I was worried when I saw the trailers, I thought they were doing what they did with Thor um, which I, which I really hated in end, like really, really hated in Endgame. The whole like, you know, like let's make fun of Thor because he's fat now, and ha ha ha! Isn't that funny? He's a loser now. Um, and I thought that that's what they were doing, but they treated him a lot more seriously than I thought that they were going to. And it was just more of like he's he's getting older and, and he's gained some weight and he's kind of a blowhard anyway. But that's like who he's always been, and so I didn't I didn't have as much of a problem with that um you know issue but i thought we were going with fat shaming again which was kind of like oh god please marvel don't don't do this <laughs> don't make this like your thing now like hey we're gonna have a fat guy in every movie that we make fun of um so uh but yeah i, I found him to be a lot of fun and and really with a with a movie that 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 focuses on women deservedly focuses on women i like the fact of showing like he's a male character 
that doesn't get it necessarily, but that he cares about these people and he at least is trying to make the effort. There's the scene with Yelena in the bedroom where he's trying really hard. Like he can't stand the fact that she's mad at him and he's trying really hard to like, so he is trying to be a better person. He's trying to understand because he does have this emotional connection with these girls and and he wants to be there and so i appreciated that I, I like whenever they do like family type stuff in shows it's one of the reasons why like uh like uh black lightning on the cw is one of my favorite of the shows there's because i like when they try to bring in the, the family then superman and lois i think is, is working really well with that too that dynamic into it and i like the fact i liked that sort of family aspect of this um so yeah i mean um let's get uh page why don't you get the ball rolling on this one how do you feel about the family I love them all. <laughs> they're, pre they're my precious babies. Um, so I, the, the, the best parts of the movie for me were the quiet moments, like everyone at the house having dinner, um, Yelena and Alexi having a moment uh, in the bedroom, uh, the very beginning of the movie when you see them as a family unit and then you see that subtle shift into what they suddenly have to do and how rehearsed it was for the kids as well, too. Um, I like those quiet moments way better than the big Marvel kaboom kaboom like moments of the movie because I got to learn about these characters, their family dynamic, what they actually thought of themselves individually and as a family unit. Um, so like that was that was great. I got to learn everything about these characters as they went along. And then by the time we reached the end, you kind of know, what each character is going to do in their own way. Like Alexi's going to be like, I just got to hit something. That is my mode. And I'm going to do, I'm going to hit a thing to protect these people that I care about as a family. <laughs> this is how I am going to show that I love them <laughs> by hitting a thing. And, and, and like everyone else doing their awesome spy stuff and, and Yelena being like, you're a poser. This says this sucks. <laughs> like jumping down, like this is pointless. And you get those cool little moments like that um so yeah i i love them i can't wait to see what they do of all these characters especially yelena now that she's with contessa doing whatever they're doing because we still don't really know what's happening there yeah I, I like the fact that also with alexei they held back on him like like lifting or throwing ridiculously large things enough that every time it does it it's a it's a, like a like a surprise in your brain like you might like be aware after the first time that he can do it but it's always like a very jarring kind of surprising kind of like oh god like kind of thing every time he like lifts something or throws something where it's like it's ridiculously huge and it's just like that's great yeah like you suddenly remember like oh yes he's a threat <laughs> there it is <laughs> all right um angie um, yeah, I'm going to display my, uh, my ignorance of like Russian culture here because my only, my only experience with, you know, Russianness comes from American TV, but as somebody who's, whose entire conception of what a Russian is comes from, um, Ivanova and Babylon 5, um, I thought they nailed it as like the, the, like, completely nihilistic and yet still so solid kind of family dynamic. I loved it. And I hope it wasn't culturally insensitive because I really enjoyed it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, just the little lines, like 
Nathan, I know you and I, before you saw the movie and I had, had talked about the potential fat shaming and I was like, that's just Yelena being Yelena. Like it's not, you know, it's not a, a plot point anybody's harping on. She, she knows what will hurt you to say and says it because that's who she is and it's great. Um, yeah, just like little moments where Rachel Weiss is like, I'm clearly injured. Like it was, I just, I loved them. I don't have anything really even bad to say the entire, like I I would probably just watch a sitcom like if <laughs> they were pretending to be the Americans again. <laughs> WandaVision season two. Like, yeah. Let's invite, I forget what their family name was in America, but like, let's invite them over. <laughs> um, yeah. Allie. Um, I love Yelena so much. Um, <laughs> I have a list of all the great things that Yelena <laughs> did. Uh, just her really dry uh, line delivery was one of the things that I particularly loved. Um, the ribbing Natasha about posing, it's just like, <laughs> yes. it lives in my heart next to the Falcon and Winter Soldier conversation about wizards. Like just <laughs> these things are go they're the my favorite things about Marvel right now. Um it's just so good. Uh so I'm I'm really looking forward since we know she will be back. I'm very excited to see what they do with her. Alexi was great um just because like the MCU has kind of been missing Russia from their lineup. And that was very important <laughs> to several of these characters, like say the Winter Soldier and Natasha. And, and so I felt like this was, okay, we're finally like filling in this gap. Um, so I really liked all of his references to Captain America and, and like that ideology conflict that's definitely been missing. Um, I would love to see that get explored some. I don't know that it belongs in a film. I feel like that's more of a small story for the small screen. Um, but I would love to see see some stories about that or at least some kind of exploration of it. Um, but yeah, Alexi was great. David Harbour is so amazing. I love him. Um, but all of his line deliveries were so good. And like, yeah, what you were saying about um, the way he there was an emotional core to all of that. So like, yeah, he was a buffoon in many ways, but he was trying and, and like, so you can, you there's something to connect to and you're not just laughing at him, which was one of the things that I particularly appreciated. And then Melina was like, I don't know what to do with her because like, she's responsible for the mind control. And like, she didn't seem to care until Yelena was like, that you did that to me and she didn't seem to ever have asked like who was like she didn't she also didn't treat any of the other girls like they were humans and so I'm kind of like I'm not sure where to put you <laughs> because it makes it plausible when there's the scene where it looks like she's knocked Natasha right. out and let the people that you don't know where this person falls because right. there's something broken inside of her, like that she could do what she does. Like she's even willing to let that pig just die just to yeah. make a point, you know, and just like, you know. Oh, he would have been fine for 11 more seconds. Like, right. yeah, but he seems not fine with it. Like, like I know he, maybe he would have lived, but perhaps his life would have been better had he been able to breathe all of that time. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so long term, 
I do not know where she stands because if that's supposed to be like her redemption, that came really quick. Um, I just like the conversation about her. You're not a mouse. You were born in a cage, but that's not your fault. Yes, that is very true. However, like change comes in much longer terms. It's not five seconds. She strikes me because I think she'd mentioned she'd gone through the Red Room four times. Yes. Like she strikes me as someone who is so psychologically damaged that it didn't occur to her to do to do anything else like it just never occurred to her she seemed genuinely shocked when she was told she didn't have to be this way (laughs) i agree with that entirely i don't think she's redeemed i think i think she literally is going to have to find her own like moral core at some point but the fact that that the fact that change was possible had just never occurred to her and now that it has we're going to see maybe where she goes with that Seems but like a I, good place. I hope it is a struggle because it should be. It's oh, yeah. my point. <laughs> because I feel like at the end, we're supposed to be like, oh, she's a good guy now. And like, I just don't think it's as simple as that. Being so, a good guy doesn't mean you're a moral or ethical guy, though. I I, I think she threw in with the good guys. That's the impression I got. Yeah. Yes. The, unfortunately, I mean, Marvel's also sort of like looking for like where its moral core is because I feel like <laughs> sometimes we're, we're because we're our Disney is the overlords, like they're going a little bit for like making decisions that, you know, go for the mega happy ending, the really kind of mm-hmm. quick and easy rather than the let's take this a little darker and see where we can do with that kind of thing. But I don't know. We'll see. And we'll certainly see. I mean, not to not to take things too far out, but with the Hawkeye show, because of like what he did for five years, you know, we'll see if they're willing to go with the, there really needs to be a redemption arc for somebody rather than just like, hey, your family's back and everything's good now. All those people you killed and everything, it's fine. <laughs> um, I will just say really quick, though, Allie, like I think that they're struggling with the russian characters in marvel just because so there's so much baggage since marvel like yeah thing is from the 60s you know like a lot of the russian characters are soviet like holdover type characters the soviet super soldier program and everything like sort of looms large over the comics and it's hard to like transition those characters from that to kind of like be like oh like how do we put this in a modern context you know where you know these characters work in like the world as we have them now um they they clearly think about this stuff though because like for example recasting the ancient one to not be tapping into offensive stereotypes you know so they're clearly thinking about it so i'm just kind of like like i wish they had thought about it more in some cases, particularly when they started bringing in the Winter Soldier storyline, because it was, they did some things that made sense. And then there were other things that I was like, I feel like you're, you haven't really completely plastered over that, that gaping hole that you have in that storyline to explain, like, why are the words in Russian when they were Hydra? (laughs) so it's just things like that that i'm like come on let's let's pull it together (laughs) all right so cammy what about uh, the family how do you feel about them i really really love the family chemistry and i think that's just echoing what you've already heard here definitely the immediate response online one of the things that stood out to me is um, a couple you were mentioning you would watch sitcoms of this family 
absolutely would as well. I saw similar comments online. So what that translates to in the function of this movie is means you, I, everyone, we are also then willing to watch scenes that don't directly further the plot string of our interest. And that's important, particularly in a Marvel film that's intended to mass entertain. Not everything is for everyone. There's always going to be a certain segment of screen time that doesn't immediately further the plot string of interest. But the reason I and everyone else can't stop this movie for a bathroom break is because we are still entertained by the remaining scenes and the family chemistry within it. It also covers a multitude of sins. It also allows us to kind of be a part of this, this world without experiencing the trauma served raw. <laughs> it's cooked with a little bit of humor. It's, it's seasoned with a little bit of warm chemistry, but there is a lot of trauma here. Um, we've already talked a little bit about the fact that the parents are kind of having to unlearn things, which is certainly a mild way to put it. You have, I, I, I don't know. I, I found it was kind of interesting. Tell me if this is a wildly out of touch opinion. I know I tend to go a lot harder on male characters than female characters, I liked both Alexi and Melina. Don't get me wrong. I see Alexi as in need of a in need of redemption that he cannot get. You cannot be redeemed as a father or a responsible male in the situation or a responsible adult in the situation, regardless of gender, for authorizing sending two girls to the Red Room. Full stop. There's, a, there's just not a redemption for that. It doesn't mean I can't enjoy him as a character. I did. It doesn't mean I can't find him funny. I did. It doesn't mean I can't empathize with him, but he cannot be redeemed for me. Melina, however, has been through the Red Room four times. She cannot need redemption for me. And maybe I'm going a little too easy on her, but I just, I do not see her as responsible for her actions any more than I see any of the other widows as responsible for their actions. Once freed, 100% responsible for her actions. So there are some borderline decisions in there where we're really not sure as an audience how much mental control she has. I know Angie mentioned with all of the psychological trauma she's been through, I don't know that we can truly believe her as having too much control over her own actions until well into the movie. We're talking very far into the end, but it's kind of a gray area we have to live in. But that was kind of the dichotomy where both of them were terrible and doing terrible things and they kind of frame them as this weird sort of equal but underneath all of it they are wholly unequal extremely unequal in their backgrounds extremely unequal in their intentions and it makes it all the more interesting and impressive that they are then able to create on the surface, this extremely equal and sitcomish parental dynamic. It's fascinating. It's impressive, but very dark. I had to disagree. I don't think Alexi, I don't think Alexi was the difference between the two parents is that Alexi bought into the propaganda, maybe willingly. We don't know how willing Molina was, but I mean, they, they just have these little lines. Like you can tell at the beginning, he has bought into the cause. He is all about, you know, the, the, you know, the, the homeland and he wanted, was itching to get back and be, be the, you know, be the red guardian and immediately got put in prison. 
Like he he had his entire world built up based on I I would assume propaganda again. Like I'm so sorry if I'm misrepresenting Russia in any way. I literally know so little about it as a country, but um, it seems to me like he had the the rug pulled out from under him, or he may not have been forced into any sort of brainwashing but i think he absolutely was brainwashed and is having to come out of that as well i think he truly thought he sacrificed for the country getting this serum that we don't actually know is super soldier serum we know he's lying about fighting captain america in the 80s like what else we don't know what he says is true or not or if he's delusional or not we don't know so um yeah i i don't necessarily think that he he chose knowing the full ramifications of what the red room really was um, well, or if he thought that that the sacrifice was same as what he had made everyone sacrifices for for the homeland sort of thing so i i guess that i say that to say i don't think he's beyond redemption to me i think i can see where he's coming from just like i can see where melina was coming from so, so I mean, just just as a, a quick thing, uh, from a comics background, Red Guardian was specifically made by the Soviets to be a Captain America for their own side. So as long as they're going with that, I, I, I think that they did develop some kind of serum or whatever to give to him. Although, of course, the MCU can change things. But what I wanted to say is this. So, I mean, I don't know anyone... Uh, and I shouldn't say that because I did actually have a coworker at one place that I worked who was from uh, Russia. But, um, but I didn't really talk to her about, like like... Russia under the Soviet regime, but I have talked to somebody from East Germany under communist rule and knowing that service to the state, the indoctrination of America is the enemy service to the state is the primary like thing that you like need to do is heavy there you know like it was heavily part of that whole eastern european side of things and even like when he's talking to them like he can't process when they're like what you did to us was horrible because in his mind you were trained to be like the best spy and the best assassin like that's the ultimate thing that you can do because he has been brainwashed you know also to believe that service to the state is the primary thing remember russia is the country or soviet russia was the country that would take kids that are like three years old and decide they have aptitude for this particular sport they will do nothing but train for that sport to be olympic you know uh, athletes you know when they grow up and that's all they're going to do for the rest of their lives is train in that sport so i mean yes it's not a red room it's not as bad as a red room but people didn't think they had a choice to resist the state and they had been told all their lives that this is the best thing you can do with your life so i do think there's a brainwashing there i do think that there's an indoctrination and i don't think he authorized anything he didn't try to resist them take and he didn't grab the girls and pull them away but it's drake drakov's the one making all the decisions he's the one making all the authorizations so while i agree yeah all of those adults there should have been like this is horrifying don't do this but again like the soviet union is is was different than like russia now and we have to kind of remember that 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 was a very different kind of culture um where indoctrination was just like a way of life I think what you're saying in this world is true. I, I'm agreeing with both you and Angie. However, Yelena makes this distinction at one of the dinner table scenes that I love where she's trying to explain to her mother that what you went through was 
programming, what you are developing for us is total mind control. That's a completely different level. And I think within this world, maybe there's an additional level then inherent within it. What the mother went through was programming, heavy programming four times through the red room. That's, that's, that's pretty intense. What the father went through then, what Alexi has gone through was not that. That is the least amount. He did not think he had another choice, but in this world, we have seen people, we have seen characters, male and female, who have made other choices in the same situation as him. I hold him responsible for not fighting back in the situation with the girls, but I'm not doing that in some way where I then see him as a villain forever. It's, it's not as simple as that was, I think, what both Allie and Paige said, and I'm agreeing there. It's not as simple as you're either a hero or a villain in this story, you know, which is maybe unusual for Marvel, but such is the case for this movie. He has done something that I, as a viewer, can't wipe from his record. Even if he's not literally the sole person authorizing it, and even if he is not literally their father... I still see it at, you know, suspending disbelief and entering this world. I see it as a father allowing his two daughters to enter the red room. That just puts him at a whole different level than Melina for me. That's fair. I mean, certainly he had an emotional connection with them and, you know, treated them as his children for three years. So, I mean, to all intents and purposes, he was their father. You know, I mean, I don't think, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely not going to say that biological fatherhood is, you know, what's necessary to make somebody a father um, for somebody. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I get your point. I get your point. I, I just think that there's a lot going on there you know, socially, um, that we, because we've been born into a society where we have a lot more freedoms, don't get the fact that you're taught from like childhood that like, you don't have choices when the government tells you something that is just what you must do is, is kind of like a different, you know, mindset, um, for somebody, um, you know, uh, but, um, let's talk about the plot and <laughs> we can't get too deep into it, but I just want to, you know, like, for a Black Widow movie, you know, like, what do you feel about this plot? You know, we weren't saving the galaxy. You know, we weren't, you know, doing like universe hopping stuff where there was some action that maybe was a little bit above and beyond what a Black, uh, you know, a Black Widow, you know, should be able to handle. But um, let's start with you this time, Cammy. What do you think about just the overall plot of the movie? Are you trying to tell me, Nathan, there was more to the plot than just Yelena? <laughs> the, the writers thought so. I thought she was the one. <laughs> I, I thought it was appropriate for the scope of the movie, for the space that it fell in the timeline. You know, we talked at the top of this that this is kind of fundamentally exposition with a bit of origin story. And I think we're kind of all okay with that to this effect, but there can't be a whole universe shift within this, even if they are going to not necessarily a hundred percent play well with Endgame. They can't, you know, blow up the world, kill all men and destroy a matriarchy. So there was my ideal plot gone. One thing I did really like was 
when they shifted environments and the plot moved forward, we also see aesthetic shifts that reflect exactly what they're doing with the plot. And I think that plays well with this idea that I think for the most part, up until the end, and Ali gave a good example of that with explaining the pheromones, for the most part, they really allow you to just kind of follow along and trust that you as the viewer will, and then just drop these little clues of like, oh, here's going to be a moment where the team is all going to regroup before the final big boss. And here's going to be the moment where we have the little side escapade to break a member of the team out of prison. And here's where the gang's all here and they're not playing well together. They give you these little visual clues throughout what the tone of the scene would be that I think I could almost watch this movie on silent and still kind of figure out exactly what's going on just based on sort of the aesthetics. They reflect the tone visually and that I think saves some lines of dialogue. So I really enjoyed that. The the actual villain that they picked out, we talked about this in the character framework. I think what they took from Taskmaster, they placed in other characters. So we still get the same tone that was there in the comics with the origin of this quote unquote villain. I think this was scoped out well, but they had some severe plot limitations going into this of things they could not do. So could there in another universe, pardon the term, be a better Black Widow plot? Yes. I, I'm here for the characters, but I will admit that the plot is one area where there could have been a better plot. This movie didn't have the opportunity to do that, so I can't really dock points, I suppose, for it. You know, there's still the opportunity of a Black Widow 2 set between Infinity War and Endgame. I mean, I'm not saying that they need to do that or they should do it or whatever, but there is also still the opportunity of They can a movie. do that. I'll watch it. I'll be mad at the movies that bookend it and I'll give the Black <laughs> Widow 2 movie a 10 out of 10. I already know. You already know. Like, that's just what's going to happen. <laughs> All right. Um, Allie, uh, how do you feel about the plot of the movie? First of all, I want to tell you, I want to watch the movie that is set between Infinity War and Endgame because it's probably not going to have a whole bunch of superhero fights and it's just going to be a bunch of superheroes being sad and then like trying to comfort themselves. And that's all that I want, actually. <laughs> well, this is the thing. I, that's why, like, when they announced the Hawkeye movie, I was like, no, no, it should be a Ronin movie set between Infinity War and Endgame. I want to see Hawkeye turn into the vigilante. I mean, we might get flashbacks or something in the Hawkeye show, but it's not going to be the same as like actually watching him become this guy because i was like that's actually going to be fascinating that would be fascinating to me Every the avengers step. all get together and go to an mcr concert <laughs> yes <laughs> every step that gets me closer to young avengers is a step that i want to take so i'm totally fine with the hawkeye show being afterwards and introducing kate bishop thank you um as for black widow though <laughs> in the plot i appreciated this plot i i didn't need it to be any bigger than it was i I liked the size, and part of the reason why I liked the size was because it gave us so much time to sit with the characters. And like everyone else has has said, those were some of the best moments of the film. Um, it gave us more time to get to know each of the new characters. And like, even though I have made comments about Natasha's not really the lead of her film, um, it gave us time to sit with her feelings more. So. For me, I feel like I see some of that growth throughout all of the films, um, particularly when we get from uh, Winter Soldier to Civil War to now. 
Black Widow, we've got a growth where, you know, she goes from I'll be whoever you want me to be to Steve and just, you know, like I don't I don't have a personality kind of thing. I will be whatever personality you need me to be to developing a real friendship first with him and then with other people. And then like really admitting that the Avengers are very important to her. And, you know, it's not just Clint because Clint saved her and then, you know, believed in her first and then pulled her into the family. It's not Fury because Fury is her boss and, and, you know, shows a certain amount of respect for her and trust in her. This is developed on something different. This is a different kind of relationship. And then to see her tap into and remember what it used to be like when she had a relationship, when she was more innocent she had already been through the red room by that time but more innocent than she than she is as an adult and so getting to see her connect to that and be emotional to it and you know Milena asked her how did you keep your heart and I was like well she didn't keep her heart it was something she had to work on to get back to and we saw her work on that and get back to it over a series of films closer and closer and closer to where she gets to in this film where she can have a real emotional center. And I don't think we see her have that emotion, emotional center in Infinity War, but we do in Endgame. And so this fills that gap for me between um, Civil War and Endgame. So I know like where she came from, like what journey she took emotionally to get um, to that leader desperately clinging to anything that can resemble like sanity <laughs> and like some kind of normalcy and like just trying desperately to hold the world together so for me that fits beautifully however there's a film in between them that isn't that emotional arc and so it doesn't fit as neatly into the greater whole but as to the plot the plot did not get in the way of that. And that was the more important part of the film. <laughs> All right. And uh, Angie, what do you think about the plot? Um, yeah, I think if you'd told me that the Black Widow standalone movie wasn't a political thriller, I would have been confused. Um, that said, having watched it, I think that this movie is more about, you know, Black Widow, the Avenger, not the spy as much as it was a prequel it's about her being a hero not not a spy so i actually the plot being kind of reactionary and played very straight not having a lot of twists and turns didn't bother me like i i think i would have expected it to um so and and, and frankly the 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 twists and turns kind of come from the emotional right that you get so i almost wonder if i would have been overwhelmed by also trying to figure out whatever intrigue was happening um, with a more complex plot. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree with what was said that, that overall the film works, even though the plot is, is fairly simplistic. All right. And Paige. For me, um, it's I, the plot. Like I was totally fine with the plot and the general structure of it, of like, we're going to go try to save these girls. And we're going to go try to end this whole red room program that we thought was already done. So like the general plot, totally fine with for me it was the tonal uh shifts like along the way like the beginning had this cool like spy 
political thriller uh kind of tone and i was like oh if this is the whole movie i am set this is fantastic and then it suddenly like along the way switches back to like the big marvel you know like car chase and avalanche into a into a prison i'm like all right so all right and the red room is a helicarrier and yeah i mean and then we go back to like the dinner scene where it's like okay now we're back to more of like a slow kind of like thriller like is everyone telling the truth are we getting to the heart of what everyone means in this in the scene this is great and then we we fly up to to the red room which is in the atmosphere and i'm going all right all right great uh, and then and then back to the cool tonal uh of like meeting drake off again and and figuring out what's going on with all these characters as they're split up and what they're doing to fulfill their plan that we're slowly being let in on with all the twists and turns and that's great and then the movie ends in a big kaboom yada da, 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 yada da, da, da. like the whole thing down i'm like i all right so we're back in marvel mode got it cool you can't just a little more subtle i don't okay uh so yeah for me it was the plot's fine in a basic structure it was the tonal shifts uh that got me a little bit okay yeah i mean for me it's the same thing like i felt like for a black widow movie like as far as like stakes and everything it felt like you know like it felt right right you know and uh you know the fact that it focused on the abuse of women also made a lot of sense it made you know it was a very much like uh, oh okay it's in keeping with what we know about natasha and her background and just realizing the scope of this thing which you know i was always imagining yeah they had like a half dozen women that they were training and it's like oh no there's like hundreds like all over the world you know and they're constantly training more and more and it's still ongoing now and all of that kind of stuff F finding out that even her mother figure was somebody who went through that she has a sister you know a figure that you know has been through it all and all of that kind of stuff uh i felt like that like really worked even like what was going on with taskmaster and, and as far as i get the problems that angie has with it as far as like um um you know the 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 redemption of what natasha did but i think as far as narratively just within the movie if we just look at it from that standpoint making it another victimized girl and the fact that this guy was willing to do this to his daughter you know makes him more of a villain you know kind of character also and so i really thought like thematically like scope you know all those kinds of things it all it all really works you know for this movie and it's it being the kind of movie you can only tell with Natasha and none of the other characters that we've been introduced to uh, in the Avengers. Um, so my final question, final thing, you know, we have the end credit scene. We've all alluded to it. You know, I've been on the record with the Falcon of the Winter Soldier thing is I, I hate, hate, hate Julia Louis-Dreyfus's performance uh, as Val. Um, there's a whole comics thing that I don't want to get into where I don't think that she's doing the character justice anyway. But I just hate this sort of like, look at me, I'm really funny, even though everything that's coming out of her mouth is not funny thing that she's doing. But that aside, Yelena has been pointed at Clint. <laughs> We're getting more Yelena. You know, and, and yeah, what do you, what, what, how, like, what do we want, what do you want to see moving forward from Black Widow, you know, with Yelena or with other characters? So what do you want? And so, Cammy, we're going to start with you because I know you've got a, a hard stop where you might need to leave us in a second, but I want to get your word on this. Sure. Uh, I fully support her in going after Clint. I think she should have done that anyways. 
Um, that's her sister's ex who didn't save her sister's life. I'm not saying he's responsible. I'm just saying she's justified in killing him. And it wouldn't have taken a purple haired lady to tell me that fully support it. 10 out of 10. If she needs an assistant, I'm available. Um, I'll leave my number in the comments. Call me. I probably won't be any help, but I just want to watch her go kill him. So thank you. (laughs) Okay, um, and <laughs> I mean, I think where they're going with this is that Clint is going to end up kind of reaching Elena like he reached Natasha. Um, I, I think that's where they're headed with it, and I'll be honest, I don't want to see it. I, I don't, I. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have any particular reason not to like Clint. I just don't. And I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I struggle. (laughs) I struggle with this because I want to see Maria Elena, but like, I don't really want to watch what I know I'm going to have to watch with them interacting to get to the point where like, they're, they're like, yeah, they're like the sister and the ex. Of, of a person who was no longer there and having, and I'm fine with them having that snark dynamic, but I don't want anything in the middle. I know there was a lot of speculation, but it's never been confirmed that she and Clint had any kind of romantic no, relationship. No, and I, I don't think they did. But what I'm saying is that relationship of like the ex-boyfriend and the little sister where the, the, the woman in question is no longer there and they're kind of snipey with each other, that I'm fine with and I would not mind watching. I don't want to see them get to, get to that relationship. I just kind to want to pretend it all happened off screen and then just have it have the end the end result show up so i don't have to watch them get there all right i'm gonna give you guys my pitch here and i don't think that you're right because i think that the fact <laughs> that um val has also recruited john walker tells me that we're setting up either thunderbolts or dark avengers which means that i think elena is going to stay as a morally ambiguous you know, sliding towards evil type character, just like John Walker. And we're going to recruit like sort of like dark versions of all the major heroes and have that be like, like the new version of the Avengers that's going to be released to the world is going to be those people. And there's probably going to be a movie about how like the people like, you know, uh, uh, Sam are going to have to step up and be like, oh, no, you don't you know, and be like, that's not who the Avengers are. Uh, so I don't think that Jelena is going to be like, become buddies with Clint at the end yeah, of the But no series. one thinks she's actually going to assassinate him. Like, I don't, that's, well, no, no, they're no, not no, going to really get do away that. Or something. Okay, but that's fine. None of that precludes anything I said. Sure, okay. It's, <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't think they're going to be buddies at the end of this. I think that he might fight her to the point where she's got to go away or something. Uh, you know, he's going to get away something, but I don't think that they're going to end up as friends at the end. Um, That's not the relationship I was describing. No. (laughs) I don't think he's going to redeem her. Um, I didn't say redeemer. I said reacher. Okay. It's Uh, it's fine. uh, I'm not going to bet you on it. I know how that goes for me. (laughs) Yeah, you know not to bet me on things. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Paige, uh, what about about you? That ending bit, what would you like to see? The second I saw that iPad come up and to see his dumb, dumb face with that haircut, (laughs) I literally said out loud to no one and my cats beat his ass (sighs) that I I am. I'm ready for Elena to just go to town on him and just style on him. 
I'm ready. Like that's that's why like definitely like getting Kate in the Hawkeye show was like a big plus because I'm also very much looking forward to Young Avengers because they're obviously setting that up. Oh my god, I want it now. Um, but to see Yelena just come into that world and just wreck him, uh, I am a hundred percent for. <laughs> okay, and Allie. Um. So I I don't think. Yelena needs to be reached um, to what Angie was talking about. I just, I, she's not in the same place that Natasha was. So I don't think she needs to be reached. Um, so I'm hoping that they don't do anything like that. That just seems sort of pointless to me. Um, I am not on the, I can't wait for Clint to get wrecked train. <laughs> um, but partially that's because watching like the stuff that this come out about Hawkeye, it's very obvious that they are inspired by the Fraction run, which I love. So anything that gets us closer to the Fraction Hawkeye and further away from the MCU Hawkeye, I'm into. Um, I will be interested to see how they merge the two because obviously, hold on, they could ignore it because we are in an alternate timeline now. <laughs> so, huh. This is suddenly a lot more interesting and pleasing to me. <laughs> a wizard did uh, it. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Loki. Uh, I never thought I would love you nearly as much as I do right now. <laughs> um, but so, assuming though we're not in the in a different timeline and we have to rectify the two characters together, I'll be interested to see how they bring in the MCU and Fraction runs, because um, it's clear that they're doing that in some way. Um, so I think she will be there and complicating his life. I don't think she will ever be truly a villain though. Um, I do think she could be part of a Dark Avengers lineup and I think she should be part of that. Uh, but I think she would just be sort of like an alternate version to Natasha who is already kind of a morally gray character anyway. Even though she was on the side of good guys, she still did a lot of things that, for example, Steve Rogers had his problems with. <laughs> so I could envision her being basically that same thing, but leaning more towards doing the right thing rather than doing the, you know, morally gray thing. Um, so she could be, you know, just sort of like filling the Natasha's role on the Avengers just in the reverse because everything is reversed there, uh, which I think would be interesting. And, you know, clearly when those characters combat each other, it's obvious who that link is, who will who will be their undoing. Um, and I'm here for that because she's a great character and I would love to see I like I'm going to be very excited to see however they continue to develop her. Um, because whether she's good or evil or something in between, I think she's going to be very entertaining. Yeah. Well, what I meant by like gray sliding towards evil is just that the people calling the shots and telling them what mm -hmm. to do as the Avengers are going to be evil. And because they're morally gray characters, like, I don't think John Walker is evil either. That's a whole other discussion. We have the Falcon <laughs> and the Winter Soldier thing. He's, <laughs> he's, he's got problems and he needs yes. a lot of therapy and help. He might have also been given super soldier serum that was a little tainted and off, but that's a whole that's a whole other thing. Um, so so yeah, I, I but but that's the thing. I think there's gonna be a lot of morally gray characters that don't have problems being told to do things that are mm -hmm. evil because they don't have the moral center to say, I'm not going to do that, I'm gonna resist these orders. Um, so we'll see, we'll see what happens uh with that. But uh but yeah, for me, I, I'm not I, I I like Clint, I like Hawkeye. 
I, um, so I'm not into the whole like, let's just wreck him thing either. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that's where we're going. I think we're going towards that. And it's going to be fun to see Yelena in the Hawkeye series, though. And I'm mm-hmm. looking forward because all these Disney Plus shows have given us a lot more than we bargained for and are leading into movies. You know, Falcon and Winter Soldier directly into Captain America 4, WandaVision to Doctor Strange 2, Loki mm-hmm. into Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. So, I mean, all these things are spinning movies off of the So it's going to be interesting to see what movie Hawkeye leads into what that is going to be directly to the, are they going to announce dark Avengers or what is that going to be? So um, we'll see uh, how that goes, but, um, but yeah, we got to run now We're we're at time. And so let's say our goodbyes and let people know where they can find us. Uh, so Cammy, let's start with you. Thank you. And thank you for having me again. And thank you to Allie page and Angie for chatting with me. It was so nice to meet or re-meet you all. You can find me at, at Cammy and Ray on Twitter and, all social media sites and I do like a live stream every week where I talk about how great women were on TV this week and how terrible men were so you know if that's anybody's <laughs> cup of tea I would love to chat with you about it <laughs> wow I'm, I'm, I'm down for that that's that's something I get into pretty hard <laughs> but yeah Cammy, thanks for coming on the show and if you need to cut out now just just cut out <laughs> I shall drift away thank you so much all right take care bye all right uh Paige why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you uh, you can find me on Twitter at page underscore Branson on Instagram at page Branson on Tumblr at page underscore Branson. You can find my web comic at legaciescall.com. I do a magical girl comic because um, yay girls. Um, and then our podcast uh, level seven access is um, level seven access pod on, uh, on Twitter. And you can find us uh, the actual podcast on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you want to get your podcasts. All right, and Angie, why don't you say goodbye and let people know if they can find you. Uh, if you uh, want to look for me on the internet, it will likely be a waste of your time. Um, even if you do find me, I don't post anything you're probably going to want to read. So <laughs> I will just say goodbye. Thank you again for having me. <laughs> oh, no problem. And Allie, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at selfwinding. Uh, and if you are a writer, I do a lot of writing support stuff. Um, that you can find through my website, alliemartin.com. Uh, that's A-L-L-I-M-A-R-T-I-N. Uh, I'm a freelance editor and I offer a lot of writing support through my Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Martin. All right. And so, yeah, Paige, Angie, Allie, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having <laughs> us. So that's it for our Black Widow episode. Black Widow is still available exclusively on Disney+, Plus, so I still feel like I'm on time for this one. Obviously, when this one drops, Shang-Chi will have also dropped, so technically, I might still be a little bit behind, but hey, the Shang-Chi episode is coming in just a few weeks, so we are definitely catching up. We are definitely getting on top of these movie episodes, so we're getting there, okay? (laughs) But what I want to know is, what did you think of the episode? Did you like the episode? Did you like the guests? Do you want us to do different kinds of topics? What should we do with the show? I never get that feedback, and you can let us know. I shouldn't say never, because a few of you have, but I rarely get that feedback. So you can let us know in a variety of ways. One way is to email us at everything at 42cast.com. Another way is to go to our website at 42cast.com and leave us a review or comments on any of the episodes. You can also go to our Facebook at facebook.com slash 42cast. You can also tweet to us at 42cast or go to our Instagram at 42cast. You can also leave us reviews on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. 
with Apple Podcasts. If you have an Apple account, that is where we get the most bang for our buck because the more reviews we get, the more that they promote the show, the more that the show shows up on searches, and that's definitely helpful. So please leave a review if you haven't already. The other thing that I want to make sure everyone knows about is the ESO Patreon. You can find that at patreon.com slash ESO Network. That's a way of helping all the shows on the network. It's a way of helping keep us funded, helping us help keep helping to keep us going. <laughs> There's different tiers. You can look at those tiers on the webpage. Basically, some of them give you access to early episodes, to exclusive episodes, to a whole exclusive podcast on the SO Network just for patrons. So check that out. If you have some funds that you can contribute, we definitely appreciate it. I also want to make sure and plug my other two podcasts. The first one is Time Streams. That's a show where my friend Juliet and I are going through all of Doctor Who from the beginning. I realize that it's hard to come by classic Who here in the States. And so uh, what I'm saying is you don't have to watch the episodes with us. I definitely think you get a little bit more out of it if you do, but we explain to you everything important that happens in the episode. It's the whole reason that we chose that format. And so if you just like listening to our banter, you want to know more about Classic Who or you haven't seen Classic Who in a long time, just listen to us and we'll tell you about the episodes that we watch and what we think about them. It's a lot of fun. The other podcast that has dropped now is Legendary Forces. That's where Juliet and I again, but also with Joe Heath, Ashley Pauls, and Corinne Vitek are going through all of Star Wars fictional media from the beginning. So that's novels, comics, TV shows, movies. It's all of it. Whether it's regarded as canon, non-canon, whatever. And a lot of that early stuff is not canon anymore. The whole point is we're talking about Star Wars in the context of how it expanded out and how the perception of Star Wars evolved over time. And so that's what we're doing there. But then we're also doing a review and letting you know if it's worth checking out that media. So we'll read a run of comics and say, is this run even worthwhile for a Star Wars fan to read? And we'll explain why we say that it is or it isn't and all that good stuff. So that's Legendary Forces. It's all available in all the same places that the 42 cast is. So check that out. In con news, Dragon Con is pretty much over by the time that this drops. You can check out the American Sci-Fi Classics YouTube page. You'll see the Howard the Duck panel that the 42 cast did. You can also check out other various panels that I've been on that uh, are posted on YouTube, mostly for American Sci-Fi Classics, but you'll also find me up there, I think, for Brit Track and American Sci-Fi and Fantasy Media and possibly even the Military Track. There might be some older ones from last year up there. So anyway, check that out. I'm still planning on going to Chicago TARDIS. Uh, I'll let you know if that changes, but now, especially since they've implemented some rules regarding vaccinations, that they don't want anyone coming unless they've been vaccinated or have had a negative COVID test. So that's making me feel more confident about going to Chicago TARDIS. So expect to see me there. So that's it for the episode. Join me back next week when Eric Ratcliffe will be joining us. That's right. So I'm starting to do interviews also with the cast. Eric is the first one that volunteered, so I'm going to have Eric Ratcliffe on. We're going to talk about his webcomic. We're going to talk about his podcast. We're going to talk about his geeky history and all of that. So check that out next week. It's a kind of exciting thing that I'm doing now, and hopefully I'll do more of these cast interviews. But until then, this is Nathan signing off.
You have been listening to the 42 cast copyright 2021. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42 cast.com. Theme music is sharper swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. The 42 cast is a proud member of the ESO network. And now for some outtakes. I didn't read a lot of what if comics, but like I knew enough that when they announced it, I like dropped everything and like screamed for five minutes. <laughs> so my um, husband and he sected me the trailer and then ran up from his office to make sure that I was watching it. <laughs> like like anything that is time travel. This is for you. Universe. This is just for you. It's all the same people in different situations. Yep. I'm like, yep, that's that's me. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's your thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I uh yeah, no, what if was actually one of my favorite comics growing up because oh, yeah. it not only taught me a lot you know coming into comics in the 90s it was kind of like oh there's already like 30 years of real history plus the additional 20 years from Mm -hmm. the 40s you know like that don't get referenced as much but still is supposed to be part Mm -hmm. of you know the universe and so it's like what if taught me a lot about what was going on but i also like the idea of we change one thing and then see like what would spiral out from that i'm just worried because later on what if like started doing like off the wall stuff like what dc does with elseworlds that i didn't care for i like just changing one thing not changing like oh what if the fantastic four was evil was one of the ones they did well, that's <laughs> yeah. not just changing one thing that's like a big big like you have to change multiple things to make that work um and and i'm afraid the cartoon is going to do like we're going to change a bunch of things to make some of these things work um, it seems to be doing that and i but i like i'm fine with that i like alternate universes i'm totally cool with i write alternate history like I will take any of the versions that get us to, to a different version. Um, but yeah, that's, those are definitely my things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I think they're only like half hour episodes though. That's so they're not going to be able to like go super in depth into anything, but it will be interesting just to see what they do. There are rumors now that the Peggy Carter, you know, whatever they're going to call her, Captain Britain or whatever, Captain Colonel Bridal. Well, I'm sorry, what? Captain Carter. Oh, is it Captain Carter? Well, okay, she calls whatever. herself Captain Carter, but yeah, who knows um, what that, that, is. <laughs> that that's going to show up in Doctor Strange too. That she's going to show up as in that as that character in Doctor Strange too. I uh, love him, Matt. This fine yeah. with me. So. I'd be happy with that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think though a lot of the things that we're going to see in Doctor Strange too are going to be like little cameo. Like we're going to see yeah. like re- different realities for like a few seconds and then like pop over to another. One. So I don't think it's going to be like oh, this is a major part. You know, it's going to be I just like... I don't think like, it can be. And as much as I would watch it, like, I recognize that I'm a little weird and that I would watch a show about literally nothing except for watching characters that I already, like, do other things. Like, I yes. don't... <laughs> that's just a particular thing that I love, and I don't expect anybody to enjoy that like I do. But, yeah, if it was What If or Loki, I'd rather be on What If because I didn't like Loki that much. I, I realize I'm alone. But no, no, you and I, finally, somebody else, because I watched, all right, so here's the thing, all right, so I'm going to tell you guys how I've, well, you can't be on, because you've already been on Falcon and Winter Soldier, so, I mean, that's the, that's the thing, because um, I'm trying, so what I'm trying to do is, like, in any given year, I'm making it, like, only, you can only be on one of the movies and one of the Disney Plus shows, and that's <laughs> it, so that way I help sort of manage that, but, um, so here's the thing, um, first of all, you take Loki, who was, 
interesting because of the performance, right? The the like mm-hmm. sort of like over the top like uh, crowing for attention, you know, guy Loki, the diva, as as Tony describes him as. And then you say, okay, now you're running your own show, so we got to like take you down like fifty notches, and you just have to look like upset most of the time instead of ex- except when you're mm-hmm. make, giving longing looks to this other character. And those are basically your two modes: is subdued and somewhat worried, and longing looks. Yeah. So so it's first like of all, so. His charisma yeah. was like toned way down. So that was problem. And then we're going to have a lot of scenes where it's just people talking about duplicity and pruning timelines. And we're just going to stand around talking about duplicity and pruning timelines. <laughs> and we're not actually going to have anything actually happen until the very end. You know, we're just going to like talk about duplicity and, and, and pruning timelines and, and just yeah. talk. And uh, it's just like, oh God, I'm so bored with this show. Much like much like Ragnarok, don't give me a show about the god of mischief and then play it 100% straight. There was no mischief in the entire show. None, none whatsoever. I was really was hoping, <laughs> I was really hoping because remember, this is Loki from Battle of New York, right? This right? is yeah. not. This is not. This is not Infinity War well, Loki. No. Oh. Plus, like I could get him being knocked down after watching his entire future play right. out and it not living up to his expectations. Like oh, I like get that. that. Him, him being kind of depresso about that makes total sense to me. But he's the god of mischief, and the show is ostensibly about him meeting a bajillion other versions of himself, and there was no fun to be had. What happened? <laughs> well, well, he, well, Richard E. Grant was having what fun there was to be had but 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 here's the here's the point that i wanted to make i so wanted it to be because we kept we kept we kept saying duplicity and so i was like this is leading somewhere we're we're really dovetailing into duplicity and i thought that scene where he's talking sylvie down when they're when they're in front of he who remains which is really immortus but it's fine immortus is kang's future self so I don't know, nor do I care, and the show did not make me. But but I thought that was going to end with Hurst him stabbing her like he did to Thor in the battle. He was going to talk her down, get her to drop her knife, and then his knife was going to materialize in his hand and stab. Because that would be the duplicity. That would be the, Mm -hmm. we've been setting up, he's in love with her, but really he's been playing her the whole time, and that's Uh, how this ends. I think that would annoy me more, because they focused so much on that glorious purpose in the episode before, where the only two Lokis who have seen the, their future are the ones who have changed. I knew Sylvie was going to be the one to betray him because she's never she she never had a chance to change. She's always been who she is. Mm-hmm. But like, which is fine. The the main plot points didn't bug me that much. It's the fact that no, like it seemed like no one was having fun. Every like, for, uh, why was Owen Wilson not having any fun? Like, why I don't like. <laughs> why was Owen Wilson not on a jet ski? Well, I thought it was going to end slightly differently because I thought it was going to literally end with like the TVA like crumbling and falling apart. And then we were going to have like an end credit scene with like Loki and and Mobius hanging out somewhere on a jet ski. (laughs) Right. Yeah, something fun. But the other thing to me too is you made this huge, uh, the only thing I could say would, that would, was actually duplicitous was against us, the audience, and it just made me mad, which is you have the entire show being about Lokis and variants of Loki, and the person at the end should have been another Loki by rights. That was my thought too. I thought Kang would show up in the vacuum that was left after they destroyed the TVA, is that, oh, Kang is coming. But yes, I thought Loki was going to be the person. The problem is that Kang 
while I, I enjoyed the actor and the performance, that episode just felt completely flat for me because I was like, why are you here? I don't know who you are, unlike my husband and I'm sure all of the other people on the internet squeeing that Kang finally showed up. I don't know who that is and you've given me no reason to care. It's like, so I, much I, talking is the other problem. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just so, so much talking. I mean, he does a great job. He mm -hmm. can chew all the scenery he wants, but... Um, it's still a lot of talking and a lot of explanation. And there's, there's honestly, I don't know how you, how you do Kang without a lot of explanation because we haven't seen him at all. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, see, I, I see, I found it slightly interesting, but again, I come from a background where I know all about Kang and the fact that yeah. because Kang is such a twisted character in time, that there are a lot of variations of Kang and one of those yeah. variations becomes Immortus, which is what we saw there at the end. They didn't call him that, but that's who he is. Yeah, the Kang that doesn't wear a helmet is Immortus, basically. Well, he's, that, he's in that same outfit too. I wish he would have like been pretending to be Loki or something and just had it ended on like revealing himself and having like to be like who the hell are you oh season two like that's that would make more sense to me the problem is you introduce your villain in the last episode of the season give me no reason to care about anything that he says because i know nothing nothing i have no background at all whatsoever so i'm just like it's a random dude how is this emotionally well yeah the season and the thing is the whole season felt like we're waiting for season two which is where the interesting stuff is gonna happen <laughs> and i'm just like why so, so this is basically like the first season of agents of shield because Except they they started strong and then they started spinning their wheels waiting for Winter Soldier to come out. <laughs> and then they had they could actually do stuff after Winter Soldier came out. But they hit But that a was still within their... the season. It was the last few episodes yes. of the season, but they at least had that in the season. But it's, didn't have to it's wait. the same, it's the exact same feeling where it feels like it's leading up to a movie. And, and it is leading up to a movie. We know that it's leading up to a movie. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the things to consider is that Kang or he who not must who he who remains is not the villain of the first season of Loki. The villain is like the TVA. The TVA, yeah. And, and, it's and, and so like, yeah, so first you have to kind of like regroup that we're not we weren't building up to a villain because there there is no villain with him. Uh, he's well, a future arguable, villain. He well, no, he's absolutely the villain because he's pruning everybody. All he had to do is keep pruning other versions of himself and everything would be fine. But no, he's decided billions of people have to die instead. It's 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 just, to me, there's no emotional impact because I don't have any buildup. I go, and if you know who Kang is, you're like, oh my God, it's Kang. And you have whatever your backstory is with Kang to draw on for emotional impact. But I don't have that, which means the show as a as a isolated like experience falls completely flat. Well, here's the problem. All right, so here's my take on it. The true villains, and Ali's probably going to hate that I say this because I think you were on that panel with me where we said Stargate Universe where the the writers were the true villains of the Stargate Universe. But um, <laughs> but I think the writers of Endgame are the true villains of Loki because they had oh, yeah, to create this whole convoluted, exp convoluted explanation for why time works in this way that you can go back in time and change anything, but it doesn't affect the present. And so they had to, oh, well, there's this TVA in there pretty, because none of this is from the comics. The TVA exists in the comics, but they don't prune timeline. They like none of that is part of like what they do. They monitor all of the timelines of all of the universes to make sure they're not being interfered with 
but they don't prune anything. They accept that there is a multiverse. They don't try to keep it on a rigid timeline. So, um, but, but so yeah, this whole thing was set up just to explain away, how does that even work? And how do we get over the free will problem that we've just established in Endgame to make Endgame work? And that's still, it's why what everybody's like, oh God, Endgame's the best MCU movie. I just stare at them like, what are you talking about? There are so many problems with Endgame, you know, like narratively. And that, that it, and it all mostly revolves around how they're utilizing time travel and I was hoping that they were going to establish that it was time, quantum time travel in that every time somebody went back, it created a new universe, which you could basically what the ancient one says could go either way, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and no, they went with, no, it is just a rigid timeline. And it's like, well, then how does that even work? And it'll be fine. And, and, and when I said like, the only way that could work is if there are people actually micromanaging the timeline and undoing all the changes that are made. People are like, no, that's not, well, that's what they <laughs> That's what Loki established is that's exactly what's happening is you have to have people micromanaging the timeline. And, and yeah, and, and we had to go through all these shenanigans just to undo that because of Endgame. And I'm just like, I would have much rather like never gone there and had a multiverse just from the start and just have us learn that there are other universes rather than go through yes. this whole thing. <clears throat> or uh, I would have really enjoyed if the entire ep if the entire season of Loki was just him being absolutely furious that Steve Rogers got to go back in time. <laughs> <laughs> I did like the just fact that he up clued examples. in. He's done his homework and he's like, look, yes. when Steve did this, this is like what I'm proposing here, but you won't let me do it. But you let Steve do it. Like, yeah, that would be pretty cool. But again, yeah, if anybody Maggie was having so any dumb. fun, if anyone have, would have any fun <laughs> at all, then I would probably have forgiven a whole lot. But it's just like, they, they do this. They take characters that are, that have a certain like joie de vivre that is, is, is compelling for people to watch. And they're like, but what if none of that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't understand. Loki is a character, like Loki is a God, like a, a, like a historical, you know, mythological figure is an agent of chaos. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you yeah, they obviously felt like if he's running his own, like if he is the star of the show, he's got to have more weight, more gravitas. He cannot so just be the trickster. someone else have fun then for a little while. You have <laughs> Owen Wilson, for God's sake, dude can have fun anywhere, but they like deliberately were like, okay, we can tell you're having fun, but you got to tone it way down, like, way <laughs> down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I was expecting a much funnier and fun show. I was expecting something quirkier anyway. I, I was mean, expecting something a lot quirkier. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, 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 the variants of Loki were funny in the conception of them. Like, oh, that's like kind of funny in the fact that, oh, why is there a kid running? Oh, it's because he killed Thor and so they had to take him out of the timeline. It's like, that's kind of funny as an idea, but then the execution isn't really all that funny. And, and like I say, like Richard E. Grant seemed to be the only one that was like, my whole life, you know, 60 something years of life has been leading to me playing this one, this role in one episode of the show. He was so good. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I loved his performance. And the other, like, I loved Alligator Loki. I, I'm just here for that forever. And then the- I, I did have the misfortune of people arguing about Frog Thor and Throg being different characters for like, I don't know, like a whole thread and the subreddit and got real annoyed with comic books for a minute, but, uh, cause they're different and it matters. 
<laughs> well, I, I, I people were arguing that I saw that like because we see Mjolnir in in the end of time that like Frog Thor is around there somewhere also, and that they should have had him. Who cares? We saw Who him. Who cares? <laughs> we saw him. This is what we're arguing about Did because we? the show. Oh, because so it was a true frog. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I was, was something. <laughs> I was imagining something more anthropomorphic, like in the comics. No. But okay, yeah. Yeah. Well, he's We're arguing he's about the difference wearing... between two frog versions of Thor because the show was just that boring. I don't. <laughs> I got nothing. I'm so upset. <laughs> I want it because after after WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I was so excited for this like examination of Loki, and I'm what the hell what did we get I yeah i mean to me it is the weakest of the three and everybody else that i'm hearing is saying it's falcon and the winter soldier and i'm like we watched two very different versions of, of these shows because I, I i was super here for falcon and winter soldier i don't get the hate that it's getting um but uh yeah, it's, yeah. this has been a broadcast of the eso network be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.